1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On The Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. My co-host and our real estate expert is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. And we kick off the month of March with the CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association. Yes, we do, Tina. We're thrilled to welcome back Tim Hudak to On The Market. Tim, thanks for being here. Yeah, also, Tina, great to hear your voices. Nice to kick off March, hopefully, you know, the groundhog was right and we'll have an early spring. <laughs> we sure will. <laughs> and, uh, and and Tim, we're, we're looking at your Aurea poll, and uh, four out of ten homeowners, uh, or four out of ten parents, have said that they've had to help their young homeowners get into the market. Tell us a little bit about the poll. You bet. Well, you know, we've heard a lot about the bank of mom and dad and asked if I know with your clients, you deal with that all the time. And so we said, okay, well, let's, let's actually test that out. Uh, how big is the bank of mom and dad? So we tracked down uh, recent purchases of homes, new homeowners ages 18 to 38. And we said, to what extent did your parents uh, help you buy the home? And um, I'm sure no surprise to an expert like you asked it, but two out of five, over 40% of the homes in Ontario that were purchased by that younger group did have uh, help from mom and dad. So I said, okay, well, how much was it? And, and this was really astounding. Um, over 70% uh, of the parents who helped gave a direct uh, gift to their kids. Average value, $72,000. And also 60-plus percent uh, gave a loan uh, of almost $60,000. Some did both. So that shows you how much mom and dad are backing up their kids in buying a home. Those are some pretty big numbers. And are these numbers different from previous years, Tim? Like, how much of a difference is there? Well, there's always been um, the bank of mom and dad, so to speak. But as far as we can tell, it it is increasing to much larger amounts. The the number of times this is happening, first of all. Second, the the size of uh, of these loans uh, or gifts is much higher than it was uh, before. And this tells me two things. Number one, that that great Canadian dream of home ownership is alive and well, that parents want to see their sons and daughters that they're proud of, that worked hard, that saved up as much money as they could, get into the housing market. So number one, that reinforces what you know we all know. Home ownership is a great investment. It's the best place to for your family, most precious memories, where you can truly be yourself. So that's a good thing. The downside here is, what if you come from more modest means? What if your parents were not homeowners? What if your parents don't have a lot of savings? And I worry, Tina, that we're creating a have and have not province of Ontario where those who have housing continue to have it, but those that don't are increasingly left on the margins. And Tim, this used to be a GTA problem, and, and now it seems like it's, uh, it's spread out all through the province and pretty much every region in the province. Uh, it's a good point to ask. If, and, and, and folks can, can see our poll if they go to uh, orea.com, O-R-E-A.com, and we do break it down um, by regions with a partner abacus uh, data. Um, but it, it was interesting to see that it was not Toronto or the GTA where there was the greatest concern about housing affordability. It was actually higher in places like in northern Ontario 
in southwestern Ontario. And, and look, I grew up in a small town in, in Niagara, and you always believe that if you, you know, got a good job, you got your degree or diploma, um, you didn't overspend, that you could save up enough money to buy a home in the neighborhood you grew up in. That was just the expectation. I could do as well as mom and dad, and I could be a few blocks away if I chose to do so. But that dream has slipped away, whether you're in a big city, small town, or northern Ontario. And Tim, what's your message then to parents who are, you know, maybe panicking a little bit? Well, I still have faith, right? Still have faith that um, that homeownership is is right uh, for your kids, not only because it's a good investment, but children of homeowners tend to do better in school. They get better jobs. They have better health outcomes. It's been demonstrated that it builds stronger neighborhoods and stronger families. So stay on that track. But here's what they should be doing now. We've got a provincial election coming up in June. And then we have municipal elections coming up in November. Get involved. Take this to the candidates of all of the parties and say, okay, what are you going to do about this situation? My, my son or daughter can't get into the market uh, at an affordable price to, to save their lives. So we need change. There are some positive signs on the horizon. I'm happy to discuss those. But get involved politically and demand of your politicians a solution to this housing affordability crisis. And Tim, almost 50% of the people surveyed think that the, uh, the housing affordability should be on the list of where the government focuses their attention and residential construction is going to play a very important or key role as we move forward. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, and I, I have been involved in, in politics, uh, including leader of the, the PC party, uh, over 21 years of my life in politics and now five years at ARIA and as if I've never seen housing affordability uh, this high on the radar screen of Ontarians, and for good reason. I mean, typically the big issues that Canadians care about, you know, jobs in the economy, health care, the affordability of daily life, are my kids getting good education, am I stuck in traffic, right? Those tend to be the big issues. But now housing affordability has skyrocketed to a top five issue in our province. It reflects how desperate people are when they go from home to home to home, make an offer, are not successful but it also shows opportunity. Now, this past year, there has been progress. Uh, ARIA gave some suggestions that were incorporated in government legislation called the More Homes, More Choice Act. As a result of that, we did see more homes built in 2021 than we've seen in two decades, over 100,000 units, progress. And the government commissioned a report called the Housing Affordability Task Force. I was honored to sit on that expert panel. For those who rent and are satisfied renting, why does Aria think it's so important to own a home? What does it mean to neighborhoods and communities? Well, you know, what Aria has called for, and this was reflected also in that Ontario Housing Affordability Task Force, is we need more of both. We need more quality rentals that people can't afford and more quality homes to own. So we need an across-the-board approach. And the reason for that, and Tina and Asif, you may have been like this too, I mean, I think I'm a pretty typical Ontarian. I rented when I was younger as I got my first job and started saving money. Then I became a homeowner. And maybe like my parents down the road, they sold the home and, and they rented uh, later on in, in their stages of life. So I think most people go through that. Uh, and that's why we need to have a solution on both. But ultimately, most renters, and we see this in our surveys, want to be home, become homeowners. They see it as a smart investment. They aspire to have their own property they can reinvest into that they can uh, enjoy being dedicated to the neighborhood. So ultimately, we think that homeownership increases our social fabric as a smart investment and is just good for quality of life. We just need more opportunities for folks to move from renting to owning 
we're feeling optimistic we can turn that corner. And Tim, aside from home prices, there's a lot more that goes into housing affordability and the ability of people to now move outside of, of where they actually would work uh, is a big thing. So abolishing the 412 and the 418 tolls, it's going to play a, a larger role and also help people move a little bit further as the commute becomes a little bit more affordable. What do you think of uh, that playing a role in housing affordability and even where people can move? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And just a month from now, the tolls are going to come down on 412 and 418 that feed into the 407. And uh, as if I know that you are a strong proponent of that. And uh, we got together, Maria, with the Durham uh, Real Estate Board to push for this exact idea. So we're very happy that Premier Ford has made that commitment. So what does that mean? Well, it saves a few bucks in everybody's pockets. I think it opens up Durham area uh, for more uh, affordable uh, housing and a better economy. And that also, you know, will pay benefits for nearby areas as far as Peterborough as well. So we're, we're happy to see another government relations success. And we uh, commend uh, Premier Ford's government for taking down these tolls and help make life a bit more affordable for families that use those highways. Great information, as always, Tim. And if people want to read more about the survey or get more information about the Abacus survey, where can they find that? Yeah, please go to uh, orea.com. That's the Ontario Real Estate Association, O-R-E-A.com. Or follow us or Tim Hudak on uh, social media, and you get all the details about what Ontarians are saying and housing affordability and how much parents are contributing to their sons' and daughters' home purchases. Thank you so much. And with the election looming, I know we're going to have to pick your brain a little bit more as we get closer to that date. So thanks for joining us, and we look forward to having you on again soon. My pleasure. Have a fantastic day. After the break, the lack of affordable housing and the impact on students. This is 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. Over to Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties, with the story of the housing crisis and our students, Asif. Thank you, Tina. Joining us for On the Market is York University professor, Louisa Sotomayor. Louisa, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Welcome. Yeah. Uh, professor, I, I, know, I know firsthand because my daughter goes to school in Montreal, and, and this housing crisis is really putting students in a difficult position because they're spending so much time finding a suitable place to live. Tell us a little bit more about your findings. Yeah, uh, so we found, we uh, ran focus groups with 139 students attending Toronto universities. And what we found is that the stress of trying to navigate the housing market, the rental market in a city like Toronto, but as you say, is something that we also see in Montreal, really is impacting students' uh, study time, their mental health, uh, their finances. So it's definitely... Uh, something that uh, we should be paying attention. Um, 
uh, what are findings? Uh, students complain about their mental mental health, about their uh, physical health, even when uh, the lack of affordable housing it restricts, for example, their access to quality food or to, uh, to good uh, food. And uh, yeah, and in general, uh, we also found students, for example, who are uh, living in overcrowding situations. Uh, who uh, may not have access to good contracts or uh, uh, living in rooming houses, uh, oftentimes not in the best standards. And all of that has an impact in their overall uh, health, well-being, and academic um, uh, standing. Professor, were students forced to take on additional employment, especially if they didn't have financial help? Yes, so that's the other thing that we found. There is this assumption that uh, that students come to university with parental support or with uh, financial support for uh, from their institutions through scholarships. But what we found is that uh, many students identify the experience of university with a with a housing hassle and with a, a job hassle. Basically, uh, taking additional shifts. Uh, Shifts, uh, working uh, several jo- uh, jobs at a time. Uh, so that's the other way they cope with high rents is by taking additional employment. Uh, and, and overall, like the students talk a lot about the hassle. You know, they're, they're hassling, they're uh, working in the, um, um, yeah, in the shift economy. And they are, uh, yeah, they're, they're basically uh, trying to figure out how to deal with their finances in order to afford these high rents. And especially in an environment like right now where supply is so limited and you find yourself competing against five, six, sometimes 20 other students. Now, a lot of students don't have the negotiating skills. What about negotiating with landlords and rental contracts? How did the students cope with that? And do you think there were some instances where they were taken advantage of? So, yes, definitely. So, okay, so two things here. So, first of all, uh, when we have a number of students in the rental market competing, uh, students often have an advantage because they can uh, share and split the cost of rent, right? And in sharing and splitting, they can often outbid, particularly seniors or families who are low-income. Uh, out of that uh, rental, affordable rentals. So we have these students that actually have an advantage, right? Because they they can offer together uh, exactly. But on the other hand, there's all these other students uh, who are having a lot of um, uh, barriers, uh, even in uh, securing a contract. And so what we found is that it takes a lot of resourcefulness for students to, uh, they mention a number of strategies from uh, dressing up in a particular way or trying to uh, to look really professional. Uh, they come ready uh, to to sign up a contract uh, on the day of the viewing. They, they they mentioned a number of strategies in order to to appear more professional because oftentimes uh, we know that landlords can. Uh, sometimes uh, have certain um, 
uh, yeah, it, it, see some, it follows certain stereotypes of students. And so we know that students uh, have to perform in a way certain character uh, to try to convince the landlords that uh, students are trustworthy. So we saw a lot of that as well. And we also heard stories of discrimination, right, where uh, landlords uh, not renting to some students um, because of uh, what students perceive to be discriminatory views. Now, we would assume that the housing stress, along with managing their education, that their grades and their mental health would suffer. But, Professor, there isn't a quick fix to the housing crisis. What do you think is the solution, then? What is the solution? So, this is a result uh, of several... yeah, there are several layers in this crisis that is uh, uh, from where I see it in terms of the students. Uh, there is the the, rent, the the crisis of housing affordability, but for students, there is the fact that uh, universities are not providing enough dormitories, that increasingly we see uh, dormitories that are provided at cost that are unaffordable. So we know that uh, there's increasingly these private um, Dormitories, private residences, which are fantastic. They look like condos, but for a lot of students, those are beyond reach. Uh, we also find that the, the universities are recruiting uh, increasing numbers of students from many places. Uh, so it's, it's a mix of things. I think that the solution lies... Um, Oh, and one more thing. Uh, and students are different from other segments in that oftentimes, uh, if particularly if they are international students, they don't have networks, they don't have um, other supports uh, to negotiate and to make the, their way through the through this difficult market. So in terms of solutions, what we are proposing with, uh, with my co-authors is, uh, first of all, uh, recognize that students are an important aspect in these uh, in the in the house housing landscape, it, we rarely hear about students' experiences. We uh, usually are concerned with uh, homeowners or those trying to enter the homeownership market. So here we're calling uh, for more attention to be placed on students and where are students going to live. Uh, we're asking for universities to work together. We, this is a, a multi-level a government. Issue and a policy failure at the provincial level, at the federal level, at the municipal level, because everyone here is assuming that uh, either universities should be providing accommodation for students and universities are assuming that, well, we live in this big city, right? The market will provide. Uh, so here we're calling for uh, for more collaborative work across governments. We're call, uh, calling for more um, uh, sort of for, for uh, more access to tenant rights for students. The so students often can't access uh, the strong tenant rights that others have just because they're in this precarious situation. And we're also asking for new types of student housing. Uh, so think about uh, other options like cooperatives, think about uh, home sharing, uh, home sharing uh, offers. So currently there are these new programs that are offering, um, that are supporting seniors who have spare rooms in their household and need perhaps uh, some help around the house to offer uh, a, a rental space to a student who can, in turn, uh, support the, uh, 
the senior homeowner with some tasks around the house. So those are just some examples. But again, like students are a really diverse group. We have students who are mature, students who are uh, coming from households of all incomes and backgrounds. So there should be a variety of uh, alternatives for those students coming from institutionally provided student housing to uh, to uh, offers in the uh, private rental, right? Um, so, so the solution is not just one solution. It's, it should be a diversity of options for students. Well, certainly a lot to think about, and, and I understand their stress already. And, you know, a lot of these people are only coming for uh, eight to ten months and not taking the full year. So uh, it certainly does make for some big decisions. If people want to read more about the report, Professor, uh, I heard it's on your Twitter. What's your Twitter handle for our listeners to go and check it out? It's uh, my name, L-U-I-S-A-S-O-T-O-M-A-Y-O-R-5, Luisa Sotomayor 5, uh, at Twitter. And the, the paper is pinned to my profile. So just uh, visit my profile on Twitter and you can download it for free. Uh, it's uh, open access until uh, mid-March. So I invite everyone to read it, send me a, a message if you want with your thoughts. And yeah, this is an ongoing topic of concern, particularly for cities with uh, urban universities. We're uh, thrilled to have all this vitality that universities bring. And we also should be uh, offering housing solutions for students, right? And thinking about where students are to live. Certainly. Thank you so much for joining us and for that great information. I'm looking forward to uh, checking out your Twitter. Okay, thank you for, for the invitation. Glad to, to be here. When we come back, your real estate questions and the hot listing brought to you by Souk, simplifying the home ownership experience. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. Time now for our listener questions, and the first one, Asif, is about the REMAX market report and about the 450% increase in the price of a home since 1996. 450%? Are you kidding me? Isn't that crazy? And, and this is what's happened with uh, the lack of supply over the years and the demand that just seems to be growing year after year. And if you think about the last few years, Tina, it's all been domestic demand. So these are accurate numbers, and you know, I, I was uh, talking about a townhome that I bought in Richmond Hill in nineteen late nineteen ninety six, early nineteen ninety seven. That was one hundred and ninety nine thousand dollars, and and this was an eighteen hundred square foot townhome. And now those townhomes are selling for about one point two million dollars. So these numbers, the four hundred and fifty three percent increase that uh, was reported in the Remax Canada Quarter Century report. They're right on. They're bang on. But isn't this what happens in this industry? You know, if you think about homes that sold in the 50s or 60s, you know, $5,000, $10,000, $20,000 for a home, and look at the value even in, you know, the 70s and 80s for those same homes, isn't that sort of the natural course? It really is. And if you think back to, 
even the uh, late 1970s when my parents first bought a house in Markham. And, uh, you know, you're looking at uh, pricing of about $50,000. And now those homes are selling for a million dollars, too. They're, they're over a million dollars. So it is, like, you know, with real estate, it's time in the market. And the longer that you have a property and it's continuing to appreciate year after year, you're going to have these types of uh, appreciations. I mean, 450% is huge. But, you know, as supply decreases and uh, the demand continues to increase, we're going to start to see more numbers like this. Our next question comes from Jeff in Thornhill. He says, considering the cost of owning a home, isn't it more cost-effective to renovate my own home? Asif, what do you think? It really depends, Jeff. And and we had a similar question where uh, someone was selling a home and buying a home. And the trade-off there uh, would have been about four or $500,000, depending if they sold their home for a million dollars and purchased another one for 1.4, 1.5. And they're looking at renovation costs of about $600,000 to $700,000. So when you look at it that way, it's actually more cost-effective to sell and buy because you're getting what you want in your home for an extra four or $500,000. Whereas with renovations, you're opening up a can of worms and you could have... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a money pit. As soon as you start taking walls down and renovating or if you're getting the entire home, there's a lot of stuff that could come up that could increase your budget from the $600,000 or so, maybe up to seven fifty, eight hundred, dollars And at the same time, it, uh, it may not be exactly where you picture it to be, but when you're looking at a home that's already completed or uh, something that you can kind of customize and, and move into right away, there's going to be less hassles, and at the same time, you know exactly what you're getting. As a reminder, you can send your questions anytime to info at 1059theregion.com, but Asif, if our listeners prefer to contact you directly, how can they do that? Here, here wish me at 416-985-CON, that's 416-985-5426. Just before we go, the On the Market Hot Listing brought to you by Souk, simplifying the home ownership journey. Asif, over to you. Thank you, Tina. And uh, we, we've, we're going to Markham. We're going to the Boxgrove area in Markham, which is 9th Line, 14th Avenue area. And 123 Decast Crescent is on sale for $999,000. This is an absolute stunning home. It has all the bells and whistles. It's, uh, you know, at just under a million dollars, there's not much that you can find. This has hardwood throughout. It has huge rooms. It's got, it's a four bedroom property and, uh, and it has a, an attached single car garage. So these are not the ones that have the garages in the back, the laneway garages. The garage is actually attached. You get a driveway with it as well. Just a fabulous home in a great area, a great little pocket of Markham. And it is on, again, for $999,000, which is a fabulous place. It's sure to get multiple offers at that value and uh, look for this to, to go a little bit over asking as well. And if our listeners want more information about this property, where can they find it? They can contact Helen Liu at 905-554-5522. If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Tina Cortez. Thank you for listening. 
Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.